0: It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King.
1: Welcome to Crazy and the King. How's my man Torin? So listen, let me tell you. I think they say something like
0: the uh, the dog days of summer, uh, <laughs> and I'm not really, really sure exactly what that means. But let me give it to you in my version. It's been hot, hot, hot here in Baltimore. Uh, I'm sure it's been sweltering all over the country, uh, but listen, it has been hot here, but I'm good outside of that.
1: Hey, I want to give some quick love to Tim Sackett last week. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I can't believe it's only been a week. Last week we put out um, his interview and he really did an amazing job of being vulnerable and being transparent about the loss of his mom and how that's affected his work and how we should as, as leaders in our companies think about how bereavement works and everything. And I just, I don't know about you, Torn, but I got so many compliments. Um, and so many people reach out just saying, Hey, that interview really resonated with me. It's been one of my favorite episodes so far. So. I I appreciate that from him, um, but also appreciate that from our listeners who just like that transparency and like that realness. And we don't have to kind of keep up our personas all the time. We get to be ourselves.
0: Yeah. So I didn't get, you know, back channel type messages, but I did get posts uh, out in the open that really talked about the fact that that's not something that's often discussed. And, you know, normally it's kind of a a blip on the the radar. People typically just kind of fill out the form, do the request to be to be off from work, if you will. You might get some yeah. flowers sent to your home or, or whatever the case maybe. but they didn't really feel like that 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 discussion has ever really been had in their workplaces. And so those were some of the messages that I received from people. And and quite frankly, it was a learning experience for me because, you know, not in being inside an organization, I've been remote. I've been on my own right. for 22 years. And so I don't have to deal with it the way that an employee deals with it. When I lost my father, you know, it was just a matter of, do you feel like walking to the office or not? Like, literally, that's really what it came down to. So to have Sackett, to talk about it, to talk about it from a standpoint of being a business owner, right. uh, to, to be able to populate that conversation in, uh, on the radar of others, uh, it was an incredible episode.
1: Yeah, it really, it really, really was. And it, it was like our highest first day download of any episode that we've had so far, which may speak to to Mr. Sackett's reach, but uh, also speaks to the fact that how we're uh, engaging people in our in our industry and in our world, really, and having good, transparent conversations is is really resonating with our listeners.
0: Well, you know, the format is working as well. You know, we give some shout outs to Tim and, you know, you and I coming back and, you know, switching every other week and doing what we normally do and then bringing these additional and interesting voices. Like so speaking of which, who's up next?
1: Oh, so next week we have Mr. James Ellis, who is kind of the god of employer brand. So we heard from Tracy Parsons a a couple weeks ago. And that interview went really well. And I think in that we laid a nice baseline for our listeners about what is EB? What are some of the common pitfalls? And then James kind of takes us to lesson two next week and talks about uh, all the employer brand glitter. Um, And and there's probably nothing more fun than listening to him him talk about his passion and, and how he helps companies really emote in their brand who who they really are.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to make sure that when we put that post up, uh, I drop a picture that I took uh, with James when we were in Boston a few weeks back and uh, it'll just give people a flair for who he is and his attire. I'm looking yes, forward to his jacket. conversation as well. <laughs> that jacket. You remember that jacket.
1: Oh God. Yeah. So. So what uh, what do you have this week? I think you got a little bit of a different kind of take on your your story for the week. Where, where are we going?
0: Yeah. So I want to hop into it uh, differently. You know, normally we pull uh, from, you know, big publications, WAPO and, you know, Wall Street Journal. Or we'll go to one of the major platforms and we'll find out what's happening because it never fails. There's always something happening whenever we do an episode the moment we release it, literally that same day, there's always some breaking news in the diversity, equity, inclusion, or perhaps belonging space. But, but this, this week, I wanted to do something different and, and I was belong to a group and I promised the group on Facebook that I would not uh, reveal who put the post up or the group, but I belong to a group on Facebook. And in this group, Julie, um, someone put up a post and and I'll just read it to you. The, the, The post says, quote, I have a question and need some feedback. I have an employee, transgender, female to male and wants to be addressed by he, him, as well as the name Michael. Now, my supervisors are not with it at all. Michael is complaining harassment. Oh, and she also wants to use the men's restroom. What's the best way to handle? Because there's always an issue with this employee. The managers are now saying they want to call her by her legal name and refuse to call her by preferred name. So I want to stop right there and just kind of highlight once again. The employee is transgender, female female to male, And if you caught it when I was reading the quote exactly as it was, even the person who put the post up referred to her as she and not by the pronoun of he and him. So let me stop right there just for a moment.
1: These are the kind of moments that make me have to meditate and and do yoga. And I'm going to assume that this is like an HR or a diversity group or something like that. Absolutely. The fact that our HR leaders and our talent acquisition leaders don't even have enough respect for this employee to use the proper gender pronoun is is a symptom. It's a symptom of of a much larger problem within this organization and that he or she, the poster, doesn't doesn't even doesn't even follow those gender pronouns and has the kind of the audacity to say, well, he's a problem employee. Well, fuck, have you ever been stuck in in the wrong body? Like, are you kidding me? I'm sorry. Do you think that I've been dealing with something as an employee for the last, I don't know how many years of my life because... I didn't identify with the gender that I was assigned at birth, but I've had to live in this situation. What, I mean, what kind of mental health crisis do you think is being caused? What kind of challenges and everyday adversity is happening and there's no empathy here and no, no one wakes up and decides, you know what, I'm going to be a man today just to be a bigger problem at work. You
0: know, so, so you raise an interesting issue and, and, um, I, I'm not looking at the post right now, but I'm trying to cycle through some of the feedback that I saw a few weeks ago. And I do not believe I do not believe that any of the feedback caught that. Um, I don't know if anyone caught the line about there are this person is uh, there's always an issue with this employee. I don't know if anyone caught that. I, I stand to be corrected mm-hmm. if, in fact, um, it was mentioned. Let me let me share with the listeners some of the feedback that was in the post. Okay. Um, feedback included if they are not using the proper pronouns and proper name that he has requested, this is considered workplace harassment. And unsafe, and and really the person and I give the person all of the credit for placing it in front of the group, seeking the yeah. uh, wise advice and counsel of others, because that person really is trying to avert uh, an employee relations issue, and and really wanted some honest feedback as to how to handle it. And so I believe that even when they listen to this podcast uh, and, of course, read all of the feedback that had been shared over the last several weeks, that they probably are in a better position to to address uh, Michael. Another feedback that was given, their personal beliefs are clouding their responsibility to accommodate the employee or some may be confused. Uh, and then the last one that I'll share with you, Julie, think of people named Richard that folks call. Called Dick or Robert, that folks call Rob, etc. You know, using a nickname, if you will. The managers saying it's not the legal name are being bogus. And so, the reason I wanted to put this post in front of individuals is because we can always grab the the stories that make the headlines. Uh, we can we can latch on to those sensational uh, articles that really get our blood popping and boiling and moving. Uh, we can talk about the ones that are trending on social media, but I really wanted to grab one that was real time that is next to all of us, you know, just some normal folks uh, that are, are, are wrestling with. And it's really about our listeners. You know, are you dealing with uh issues like this right here around people in uh, their pronoun? Are you dealing with issues like bathroom access uh, in your workplace? And and if you are, how have you addressed? How have you handled it? Did you did you do it with a team of just HR people? Did you consult with other employees? How, how did you all deal with it? But, but more importantly, if they're not, Julie, dealing with it or have not had to deal with it, what might we or what might our sharing this story do to prompt them to start giving these uh, issues considerations?
1: One really powerful thing about social media and those shared groups is that you can ask a really diverse audience, how do I manage this situation? Um, and and I, I hope that someone in the group said, well, you need to get your pronouns right first. That would be a good start to this situation. Um, But really what I think too is you're so spot on. This is a real-time issue that employers are dealing with every day. And we see a lot of employers who are being proactive and they're being thoughtful and they're not waiting until a fire happens to start to address discriminatory behavior in their workplace. And and I will say that this is for, for this person and Michael, this is probably an outright dangerous situation for them at their place of work, and I'm and I'm not kidding um, when I say dangerous. There have been over. 10 African-American transgender females murdered in this country this year.
0: Actually, the number is 12. 12,
1: so 12. And,
0: and, and just to put it in perspective, Julie, you raise a really good point and I didn't mean to cut you no. off. There were somewhere just under 30 in 2018. Go ahead.
1: Okay, so, so we are seeing a backlash against transgendered individuals in a lot of ways and people feel a lot more empowered right now to refuse to accommodate people and i think what employees need to understand is that and i might get some pushback for this but your workplace is not not your first amendment Right You have to set some policies and some procedures and those have to be in place and followed so that everyone feels safe in the workplace. Everyone hears feels heard in the workplace. And if these leaders are allowing people to I mean their man their leaders calling him her and refusing to use the preferred name, those are grounds for termination. I I mean, let's just be 100% honest. If you are so immature that you can't even call it a person by the name that they requested you, whether that's Bob, Dick, Michael, or Jenny, or whatever it is, that really speaks to how you shouldn't be a part of my workplace culture and the toxicity that you bring to it. And that, I mean, that's what it is. There's no, there's absolutely no excuse for an employer to allow this to happen in a workplace. And there's absolutely no reason that these managers should not be on performance plans at this point. And that just solves this problem right here, right? We're talking about the, I like it, you call it an ER issue, right? It's the burning fire issue of right now. But what they have is a whole nother set of issues that they need to get in front of to be able to do that. And there are tons of great resources out on, I mean, just even on the internet to to start to put Policies in place that protect transgender workers, really thoughtful companies like I'll call out, um, uh, Berkeley Labs has done a ton around transgender inclusion. But also, thinking about if I have an employee who leaves and they transition after they leave our employment and then they call for employment verification and they're using a different name, but they haven't come out as transgender to their new potential employer, mm-hmm. how can we protect those former employees? Right? We're talking about former employees. How can we protect? protect those former employees and allow them to live with the dignity that they deserve and and be a part of their new employment or a new employer's workforce and come out when they're ready to do that. I mean those are really thoughtful employers and that's probably the most thoughtful experience or example that I can think of. But I really don't feel like and listeners correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like there are a lack of resources out there to understand how to deal with very basic issues. And you know, Torin, I think you were one of the first people that kind of turned me on to is a video or a recording about why using your gender pronouns in your email signature are important. Yeah. And I, I love that. I, I still do that. And I think I'll probably do it forever um, because you start to just set a tone in your workplace about how we treat other people you know, we're always talking about being more fucking human, right? That's sort of our go-to right now. And this is just a great example of teaching our leaders to be more fucking human. I mean, this is, I don't know, I'm going to just ram on and on. I'll probably cut part of this out, but you know how it is, how I feel about these things in particular. These are easy to address issues.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, again, easy to address in some instances and in others, you know, just like you uh, shared or illustrated a moment ago, the thoughtfulness of uh, past employees, yeah. and protecting uh, their self-identification until they are ready to reveal such not something that I thought about. And and I absolutely eat, live and breathe diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. And still, I find myself in a posture of learning each and every day. I actually um, I think that we should include in the show notes an article from uh, The Washington Post on Jan- July 7th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. And the reason I'm including it, Julie, is because it actually starts to talk about a big law firm. And we know that the legal field has not done an exceptional job as it relates to diversity and inclusion. But this one particular law firm, Baker and McKenzie, announced that it's going to look at composition of their employee force by 2025. 40 percent men. I'm sorry, 40 percent women. Forty percent men and twenty percent flexible, allowing people to fit inside of the non-binary uh, classification, and and I think that that's a, a a big step, and that may point other organizations into uh, a a direction of allowing people to be able to self-identify, be comfortable in identifying. That's a different message in employer branding when I see that uh, I'm not only going after men and women, but I'm going after after folks that are non-binary. That's also a slippery slope because it gives uh, organizations an opportunity to, to to perhaps maybe not perform as well uh, on their diversity numbers as we would want. Uh, but again, I try to see the good in people doing good, knowing that it may not necessarily be perfect. So I'm not right. critical of Baker and McKenzie. I'm just happy that they're willing to get in and do something, figure out whether or not that something is working for the organization and whether or not that'll be good for For industry as a whole uh, to allow those that are non-binary to feel comfortable seeking employment inside of those respective organizations. So we got a lot of work. We do do.
1: using proper pronouns, giving someone their, their right name. There are harder issues that I know that we have to figure out how to deal with, like um, bathroom and gym access and, and how to make those accessible and make everyone comfortable. Um, and, and we still have a long way to go on that, but companies that are thinking in the way that you just mentioned with the law firm, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's thoughtful. That's next level kind of stuff. And as we see more companies go to that next level, it's going to be harder for employers who can't even engage in the basics to continue to attract the talent that they need because, because par- people aren't going to want to be a part of an organization that treats other people that way
0: yeah no you're absolutely right and you know that leads to the stat uh that you found as it relates to uh, millennials we continue i'm sorry probably not millennials mm-hmm. generation z we continue to say out loud uh that we feel like the younger uh, among us are not going to put up with some of the things that the the mm-hmm. elders among us have put up with but you actually have a stat what's that number
1: yeah, so so Glad, which is an LGBTQ organization, has an accelerating acceptance report that they put out every year and they found that Adults over the age of 35 are more comfortable and getting more comfortable every year with LGBTQ individuals in their life. And that might mean a same sex couple holding hands, um, learning that a, a family member identifies in this group, or that they have, you know, friends and that kind of thing that are LGBTQ individuals. But for the 18 to 34, so I guess we're talking. Gen Y, Gen Z, who we really thought are going to come in and give us all this inclusion for the second year in a row, their acceptance or their comfort level in those scenarios has fallen. So really, in 2018, they went from 53 to 49%. And now in 2019, it's dropped to 45% feeling comfortable with LGBTQ individuals in common situations. And so that was really shocking to me. And there's a lot of divisive rhetoric right now in our culture. We have to recognize as as the, I'm not going to call myself an elder, but as the adults in the room right now, the professionals with the experience in the room, this is not going to be a battle that we can push off onto them. This isn't going to be something that's going to be static and always going to be improving. We are taking steps backward. And when we see our young people being less inclusive, that tells us that we're taking big steps backward, especially with this community. So we need to be even more vigilant than we have been.
0: Yeah, no. So the last thing that we'll say on this before we switch subjects is, uh, you know, you you said it and, and I just want to reiterate, our podcast is done because we want to stay on the dynamic side of diversity and inclusion. Yep. Not static, no finish line, dynamic. And we are about making sure that we continue to agitate and prod to get you thinking about how do you address a myriad of issues inside of your workplace. And so one of the resources that we'll put up uh, in the show notes is a PDF. Um, I think it's about a 20, it's a 30 page PDF, Julie. Dismantling a culture of violence uh, because we have had so many transgender murders uh, in 2018, 2019. I want to say a number of about 130 to 150 since 2013. We're going to put up this document around dismantling a culture of violence against those that are transgender because we never know how people are going to act out in their workplaces, in their communities. We want our podcast to be a vehicle, uh, a beacon, a resource uh, for for other individuals. What do you got for me uh, around Comic-Con? Yeah.
1: So and we will post that on our Facebook, too. So if you're not following our Facebook page, find us crazy in the king on Facebook. And we put a lot of our resources and other interesting stories on there, too. So, Comic-Con. Um, so, Torrin, this is totally going to be boring for you. I, I,
0: listen, I'm stepping <laughs> right now. You good. I'm good.
1: I, I already recognize because I, I think we've talked about before, I'm a complete <laughs> nerd. I love zombies and vampires and superheroes and anything really geeky that gets me out of this world and lets me concentrate on one that's just more fun and, and silly. So, I was super geeked out during Comic-Con last week every year when it happens in San Diego, which is the big Comic-Con. They have traveling ones they don't matter
0: okay is that and that's the largest one right yes
1: yep yep so that that's the big one where they make all the announcements and stuff so they actually had a disability panel at comic-con and it was called inclusion matters representation inclusion and accessibility um, which was the first time that they had that at big comic-con and i I haven't heard about it at any of the others but like i said those don't matter as much Um, and and so they had a panel of Disabled actors who are passionate about self advocacy and, and filmmaking and, and representation. This, that was one of the things that I love because as soon as I heard that the panel was announced, I was like, dude, if they have like a bunch of allies on there and there aren't really people with disabilities like who are in, in this space, like it's bullshit. And, I've been talking a lot lately, people with disabilities, we're really starting to feel empowered to advocate for ourselves. And we aren't going to be relying on our allies anymore. Allies, allyship is important and, and we absolutely need allies, but we have to find our own voice. And that means demanding time on stage when people are talking mm-hmm. about us. And so, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was like a fairly large panel. I think there were like 10 people on the whole thing. And everyone on the panel was a person with a disability. And so, and a lot of them are in shows that we know. Well, you wouldn't know because you don't watch TV. But
0: but but they they stuck ten people on one panel. Yeah,
1: so it was it, and that's how Comic Con panels are bigger. Okay, all
0: right. So
1: I mean, it was big, like even for a Comic Con panel. But it was it was big, and but to have actual actors and actresses and filmmakers on there who have disabilities and aren't just like getting spoken about we were speaking about ourselves, um, was really awesome. And they've got, I think three interviews that are supposed to hopefully come out, um, within the next week or so with the actors kind of post panel. And so I'll post those on our Facebook page when they come out. Um, and I would say, I think almost all of them, I don't know if they're visible, but I think most of them were invisible disabilities, uh, which is a really interesting take. Um, I know that a a lot of time we kind of lean on, um, making sure that the disability is visible when we do disability representation. And so to have people who probably have mental illness or have invisible disabilities is pretty cool too. And that, that's really meaningful to me. And so we get a panel, right? Awesome. Um, and, and they really Comic-Con too in San Diego has been fairly inclusive of people with disabilities for the last several years. They've been working on um, good disability and inclusion services um, during the Mm -hmm. event, which is awesome. And so I was reading, you know, kind of what were they doing that was, um, you know, I would say above and beyond. It had rest areas. They had like, uh, if you needed a wheelchair, you could borrow one. I mean, they had a limited number, but you could borrow a wheelchair if you needed one. They had interpreters um, at like the big like Hall H sessions um, where the big announcements Get made, and then they even had like individual interpreters that could be available on demand if. There was access to them seating and they had some transportation back and, and forth for people who are deaf and hard of hearing that needed um, support on like just getting to or fro um, and didn't have didn't want to take that public transportation in San Diego. So that was, I mean, like pretty cool. And I think that this is happening because, you know, I always say this, we're the largest diversity community in in the world and and we have a lot of money to spend and we want to see ourselves represented and we want to be a part of these Worlds where we get to escape from kind of everyday things that are happening related or unrelated to our disability. And that means that we want to see ourselves on screen. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I do. But let me ask you know, when you say doing things, so are you saying in the past they had not had rest areas for people with disabilities, particularly those with a physical disability? They didn't have uh, interpreters, wheelchair access. Is, is, are you saying 2019 is the first no, time they no, not, that? No,
1: not the first time. I found disability services um, for Comic-Con all the way back to 2016. So at, at least the last last four Comic Cons, they've had them. And I mean, I, I can tell you, I've never been to a conference or a big event where I had a rest area. I've never seen one where I could rent wheelchairs. I've seen limited availability on like closed captioning or interpreters. Like I think for us in our world, we think that those are so common because we think about them, but in reality, they very rarely happen.
0: So that you know, again, part of the reason uh, Julie and I chose to to address this story and perhaps take it outside of the workplace is so that we can bring it back into our workplaces as we are curating and considering events, yeah, uh, putting event schedules together when we're thinking about where events can be held. You know, how is it that we can elevate? the experience for more people and not yep. few. You know, d- it doesn't mean that we go out and we make this incredible investment and no one takes advantage of it, but it does mean that we include some questioning on our uh, registration forms that we perhaps query past attendees, that we send uh, messaging to organizations that perhaps are, are sponsoring, if you will. How do we figure out whether or not there is a larger audience of potential uh, attendees, delegates that we have been ignoring because we haven't elevated the experience for right. more? Yeah,
1: I mean, I'll take it back to I think it was the Oscars um Oh my gosh, the name's going to escape me, but the actress in the wheelchair who won the the Oscar and it was the first time a person in a wheelchair had won an Oscar and she couldn't get to the stage, right? Because there was no ramp. Oh, it's like, wow. dude, you're the Oscars. This is being watched by millions of people and no one thought millions. about how to get a person on and off a stage. It was a really what should have been the moment of her life was was not as good as what it what she deserved. The other thing I would say, Torn, to add to what that list that you kind of just gave us is if you have employees with disabilities, they're going to be thinking about those accommodations because they do them all the time. And so there are tons of resources. But if you have internal resources, a.k.a. you hire us, um, you're going to have a much better look at, at what people need and how to, to target our market, how to target us as an, as, as an employment group, but how to get us into your events and to spend money.
0: Absolutely. No, I mean, it's, it's extremely important. Very, very much so important. I'm glad Comic-Con is doing it. I mean, I know they come here to Baltimore and like you said, a number of other traveling cities. But, you know, as I listen to the story, that is exactly what I'm listening to. How do we take, you know, all of the effort and the representation and the elevation that they uh, implemented and instituted this year? And how do we take that to the various events that I speak at, that you speak at, that we both attend? You know, how do we make sure that we continue to extend the border, if you will? So I love this. Story. So
1: so one more geeky thing from from Comic-Con and then we'll wrap it up. But um, so yeah. the, the other big thing that happened in Hall H, which is the big announcements room in, is the phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe got rolled out. So this is again for big geeks, this is been something that we've been waiting on for about a year um, to know what the next set of movies are going to be about and all of that really cool stuff. So what we found was the MCU is really, they rolled out an incredibly aggressive like 10 movie two year rollout and there was so much diversity so you have an all asian um and played by asian actors um superhero movie that's coming out you have the first one of the lead roles with tessa thompson in valk or as valkyrie um as the first lgbtq superhero in the mcu and then my my favorite of course is that lauren ridloff who is actually on the dead right now which is another one of my favorite shows she is gonna be playing uh the first not the first she's going she's a deaf person who is playing a deaf superhero in a movie that's coming out in 20 um i believe 2020 um called the eternals and so they're adapting a superhero called Makari to be played by lauren and both she is deaf and, and her character will also be deaf. And so, well, first I'm going to stop because that's freaking awesome. It, and it, it's not that there haven't been... Like a lot of times, there are superheroes with disabilities, right? So like Daredevils, blind. Um, Hawkeye is supposed to be deaf. Uh, Echo has it, it can't hear. Like there's a bunch of different kind of things that superheroes have that are quote unquote disabilities. But what's really happened a lot of time in those portrayals in the comic books and even in the movies is that those disabilities are overcome. By some piece of their superhuman a- aspect right so like daredevil he can basically see he and all those kind of things so is he really blind not really right and so there's um there's going to be a lot of of pressure on the mcu and, and on lauren to be honest to see how they end up playing this character and The Walking Dead has done a phenomenal job. She is a, it just a really integral part of the story and how they use camera angles and, and her facial expressions to express, even though you can't understand what she's signing and they don't use any like closed caption. They don't they don't help you out. You have to kind of actually engage with her and engage with her fellow um, zombie fighters to figure out what it is that she's saying and everything that she's saying has a lot of value to keeping them alive so you know the the total kind of really geek moment is in a year when we see lauren as makari what what is makari gonna be like you know, are they going to do something that says her deafness isn't real or it doesn't matter or we're going to overcome it with some superpower? Or is it going to be really integral to who she is as a character and who she is as as an, a part of the Eternals? And so I'm, I'm 100% geeked out. And I think what is Important, like I kind of checked Twitter and did all that kind of stuff, and all the other people with disabilities like me, even though and my my disability is different, I'm super geeked out. Like I am so excited to see my community on the big screen to be a part of this, and and it's not because we share the same disability; it's because we're part of the same tribe, and, and that's really meaningful and and it's important to me, and it's important to I think all of us that we get to be seen more, and you know, Marvel criticism aside for whatever you think of them, they're doing it in phase four. We're going to see a really, really different set of superheroes in the next two years.
0: Yeah. And so what I like about Lauren Ridloff is that she's playing who she is with superpowers. And, you know, what I want to segue to is uh, Delta. I don't know if you saw the announcement this week, but Delta Airlines is going to now add uh, some sort of sign language uh, insigniation to the uniform badges. Oh, I did and see so that. Now, yeah. Yeah. So, so what I believe, and once again, how do we take the story and we apply it to our listeners? And so if you are inside of a large organization where your employees are customer facing and engaging, have you considered what you can do to elevate the customer experience? Right. You know, not, not that you wear, Uh, badges, but you might. You might. You know, uh, can we put signage on the door that we have, uh, people that can sign and, and can communicate, uh, to a broader audience, if you will? We do it. Uh, When we when we say uh, we accept different types of credit cards, how about being more human? You know, the credit card is a piece of plastic. What can we do on the doors of our buildings? What can we do on our uniforms? What can we do as employees to make sure that the experience is elevated and better for not just our employees, but our customers as well? So I'm rooting for Lauren rooting for marvel in the series and i'm happy that you're happy absolutely. <laughs> i'm happy
1: i'm happy it was a good week absolutely so
0: absolutely good stuff so
1: i know you have some uh you're gonna kick us off on our name drops this week
0: yeah, only have one, but it's a big one. Uh, Hung Lee over in London. Shout out to Hung Lee, uh, H-U-N-G-L-E-E. You can find him on Twitter at Hung Lee, H-U-N-G-L-E-E. He has a newsletter uh, called Recruiting Brain Food. I want to say that they've passed about 15,000 uh, subscribers and growing by the hundreds each and every week, if not each and every day, uh, definitely visit the site. I, I'm just highly encouraging all of us that are into talent acquisition, employer branding, HR tech, sourcing, recruiting. If you are in any way connected to building high-performing teams, go to recruitingbrainfood.com, visit the site, click on the larder on the left-hand side and you can search for topics like d or HR tech or onboarding, uh, sourcing, Boolean strings, just an incredible resource of content. Hung Lee, that's my name drop for the week.
1: Yeah. And definitely join their, his group and on Facebook too. You will get so much content. You won't even be able to to keep up with it. And it's all good content. Really good. Uh, my name drops, I've got two. The first one is... Um, to ODEP, so the Office of Disability Employment Policy, every year about this time they announce their theme um, for National Biz- National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And this year, I think the theme is like so spot on because things are changing for our community and it's the right talent right now, um, which is awesome. So there's gonna be tons of that coming out for October. So if you're thinking about how do, we, how do we celebrate people with disabilities? How do we celebrate our employees with disabilities? Start thinking about some things that you can do to appreciate them and and attract new employees with disabilities during October, which is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And second name drop out to uh, Wes Hamilton, who is a uh, gym owner who is also paralyzed from the waist down. And his gym is called Disabled Not Really. And he was just on Queer Eye um, and got, uh, did the the man makeover and, and did all those good things. Um, but his his job, his, his vision now is to help people with all types of disabilities grit into the best possible physical shape that they can and recognizing how vulnerable, especially people with physical disabilities can be to violence. And so that is, has been his inspiration and he is amazing. I mean, if you don't watch Queer Eye, it's season four, episode two on Netflix and it's, it's a a really good feel good disability story, but it wasn't like inspiration porn or poor Wesley, poor pitiful thing, right? It was really, the guy was a slinger in uh, in Kansas City and he got shot when he was like only 24 and he's been paralyzed for like the last seven years. And it's really this journey of him rebuilding his life in in a positive way, but not in a way that is, in my opinion, exploitative of him. And it was like full on ugly cry. Like you will be so happy when you watch it because it's, it's the kind of person that you want to be around. Um, so that's my, those are my name drops for this week.
0: I appreciate that. So this Sunday, uh, I am going to be on Sirius XM channel 126. My guest is Katrina Adams, the past president, CEO of the United States Tennis Association. And I'm really, really excited about chatting with Katrina uh, so that she can sh- share with my listening audience, you know, what it's like to have been a player to have risen through the ranks and become the president of the United States Tennis Association. First player to do that. First African-American to do that. I'm excited about having my conversation with her. Sirius XM channel 126, 1 p.m. Eastern this Sunday, every Sunday.
1: Great. And you can catch me next week at National Industry Liaison Group. I'll be speaking on Thursday uh, in Milwaukee. So if you're in that area, hit me up. But otherwise, I think uh, I think we're going to call this one a wrap, Torin.
0: Absolutely. And I'm often asked, what's the uh, ROI of D&I? And what I say is greater humanity. Julie and I are unapologetically committed to making sure that this podcast is of value, We want to hear from you. We want you to join the community. We certainly want you to subscribe and share. And we will be back next week with James Ellis. I believe we are ghosts.
1: See ya. Thanks for listening to Crazy and the King. I'm Julie Sowash with my co-host Torrin Ellis. Follow us on social media, but you can also now find Crazy and the King on Facebook at our website, crazyintheking.com or follow our hashtag like you have been. This episode was produced by me, Julie Sowash. Our music is by the amazing DJ Sells straight out of Baltimore. And if you like our podcast, please rate it and share it with a friend. See ya.
0: You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership and sales can be challenging.